always, I was, whatever Lastimosa's dad did, he was impressive because I remember he was like the first one to have a laser disc. Hey, this is Barry, and you're listening to I Live the 90s, Alan and Brian. Welcome back to the I Live the 90s podcast. This is episode 35. I am your host, Brian. No Alan this week, folks, so that means we're going to have some fun this time. Um, in lieu of Alan, I brought on our co-host uh, for the second time, John Schuler. John, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. Doing great. Thanks for having me back. Of course, man. And to trick it up even further and to make it more Dallas-centric, I brought on our good friend, David Corolla. David, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, Brian. Ready to do a little uh, Corolla dream shake. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about all things Dallas sports, um, but hedging uh, and getting a little off topic going into stuff that happened off the field. So we'll be getting into all of the controversies uh, surrounding the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Mavericks, the Dallas Stars, and Texas Rangers. Uh, but before we do that, let's check in on office hours with the guy who drinks gin and juice, but the juice is actually steroids. Barry McCain. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Uh, just a few things to clarify and amplify here on Office Hours, talking about episode 34, Polly Shore. First off, I really liked those uh, personal uh, notes on uh, great sports figures, particularly in Houston, who have worn the number 34. Now getting to Polly Shore. He was born in 1968 and did begin his career in stand-up at the age of 17 at his mother's comedy store in Los Angeles. He started making movies uh, when he was a little older, in uh, mostly in the 90s, and his uh, career kind of fell off at the uh, end of the 90s when he was about 30 years old. So he, uh, maybe like uh, Alan's love of uh, running backs, it was uh, short but um, but bright. Uh, back to that conversation that Alan had with Brad Fish, who was probably 25 years ago, not 30, being as they were in sixth grade. Uh, yes, Jerry Springer was on MTV Spring Break, did multiple bits over multiple years. And uh, you can go uh, research that on your own. Uh, Pauly Shore began his uh, career as an MTV VJ at the age of 21 in 1989. It was just a few years later in 1992 that he interviewed a six-year-old Bruno Mars, who was working as an Elvis impersonator that same year, 92. Uh, Bruno starred in, or had a cameo in Honeymoon in Vegas and was interviewed by Arsenio Hall. Uh, getting into uh, your little interlude on Journey, not really going to go into that. Uh, it's a good band with a very complicated uh, history, especially in its membership. In fact, there's a whole Wikipedia article just on the band's members over the years. Now, back to Polly Shore and 1992, when uh, he, Brendan Fraser, and Sean Astin were in the movie Encino Man. Modest success at the box office, about $40 million. Then the next year, Son-in-Law... Uh, was also a modest success at the box office, about $36 million. Both of those preceded the Brendan Fraser vehicle, George of the Jungle, which came out in 1997, and was a tremendous success, over $170 million. Also in 1993, Sean Astin was in the movie Rudy, uh, but I did not see that he was in any of the grown-up movies, the original or the sequels. Uh, in 1998, 90, sorry, 95, Paulie Shore was in the movie Jury Duty, which was universally panned. 
uh, including uh, Polly Shore, quote, winning the Golden Raspberry for Worst Actor. The following year, 1996, he was in Biodome with, yes, Stephen Baldwin. Now, it was over 20 years after that, uh, the Adam Sandler joint, Sandy Wexler, came out on Netflix in 2017 when uh, Polly Shore provided that testimonial. Uh, on a personal note, Polly was one of four children of Mitzi and Sammy Shore. Uh, his parents were married for 24 years, from 1950 to 1974, but that 1974 divorce came uh, when Polly was still quite young. Uh, Polly was definitely mentored, in addition to all those other comics you mentioned, by Sam Kinison. Now, of note to some listeners of this podcast, Sam Kinison began his career doing clubs in Houston, and, to Brian's point, did have a, a fairly serious cocaine problem at one point. Lastly, Gilbert Gottfried uh, did play the voice of Iago, Jafar's bird, in the 1992 animated classic Aladdin. That's all I got. Now back to you, Brian, John, and David. All right, thanks, Professor Barium, for doing what you do, Playboy. Uh, on the show this week, guys, we've got two people. One you recognize, one you don't recognize, probably. Uh, John Schuler is back. John, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. Doing well. Glad right, to be right. back. Awesome. And then we've got a new co-host, um, David Corolla. How are you, David? Doing good, Brian. John, good to be on with y'all. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I've, I've never done a podcast before. I've, I've listened to a lot, but um, but I figured this is uh, this topic is in my wheelhouse, so uh, I figured I uh, um, join you guys this time. But uh, thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. Um, our host, our, our original co-host, Alan, is out this week, guys. Um, it was supposed to be because he was getting some work done at the Casa de Sueras. Um, but now he's in Texas, uh, like David is, and you guys are dealing with some serious snow and, like, ice and rolling outages. I mean, it sounds sounds pretty beaten down there. How you doing, buddy? It, uh, luckily, um, we're doing great. Um, we haven't lost power at all. Uh, family members are all scrambling without power and um and frozen pipes but we're we're doing good we're luckily on the ranch down here and just um sledding down hills and throwing snowballs at each other so we're doing good but it's a it's a weird time in uh old texas <laughs> uh and john is up here in the mid-atlantic with me i'm in just north of dc and he's just outside of baltimore um i feel like we've had a pretty light winter uh, uh john what do you think about it yeah, it's weird when San Antonio has more snow than Baltimore <laughs> right now. That's sort of bizarre. But I mean, yeah. we 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 have like a six inches, and we act like it's like a mountain of snow, <laughs> but we just can't handle it. And like the Texas energy system just is god awful. So we don't we don't know how to deal with this. So we're all just panicking, and it's pandemic part two. So, <laughs> well, good thing you're prepped for it. You're uh, you're ready for it. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, so let's just jump into the episode, boys. Um, we're going to take advantage of the fact that John, myself, and David are all basically Dallas fans. Um, you know, Alan and I have a contentious relationship, uh, big brother, little brother situation with Houston and Dallas, so we don't always see eye to eye, and that's why we don't do a lot of sports on this show. I don't know if people notice like that there's a lot of sports that happened in the 1990s, and we never talk about it because it would just be us arguing like cats and dogs, so we don't do it. <laughs> Um, but I took, took advantage of, of him being out, and we're going to talk about the teams from Dallas. For sure, the, uh, the Cowboys, the Mavericks, the Texas Rangers, and the Dallas Stars to any degree that we can, and just sort of bring out the, uh, the things we remember. So let's start with 
sort of the big team, the Dallas Cowboys boys. Um, the 90s were high time for us. How great was it to be a Cowboys fan in the 1990s, John? First of all, this is David, and I want to protest because <laughs> even though they were terrible, but Dallas Mavericks were the big team in Dallas. So. <laughs> no, 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 that, that, that is the most important, but go ahead, John. I'm sorry. It's good to set, set the record straight. That's right. Good. Um, no, it was funny. I, I guess, um, yeah, I moved out of Texas in the, the kind of mid-90s and was living in California. As a, but but the you know the Cowboys being in the Super Bowl seemingly every year, uh, and they were always on TV. You know you thought it's funny at the time. I just assumed that was every year. Like every year was going to be the Cowboys versus the Bills <laughs> in the Super Bowl, and that was you thought it would never end. And <laughs> so it's funny looking back, whatever it is, twenty plus years later, like oh wait, I probably should have savored that a little bit more. <laughs> when yeah. It happened, but. Well, yeah, you were in Phoenix, right? Uh, in California, I okay. get in the, in the heyday, you know, uh, the Cowboys when they were in the Super Bowl, you know, oh, gotcha, uh, gotcha. that we were living in uh, California at the time. Yeah. But, um, no, yeah, it was, uh, it's good times. I do remember I had a, uh, somebody got me a Leon Lett shirt. <laughs> nice. I think it was my godmother. And, um, yeah, it was that, and it said, let Leon alone. Was, <laughs> was she a big uh, Don Beebe fan? That, tell him not to let go of that ball. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, David, what are your thoughts when I say 1990s Cowboys? Yeah, I mean it's the 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 greatest dynasty of all time. I mean, you you wow. John's exactly right. You you think back and you got absolutely spoiled. You grew up remembering and hearing the the legend of Tom Landry and the the stories of how Staubach dominated and the the Cowboys. It was our birthright to win Super Bowls. Uh, and then the 90s was just a continuation of that. I don't remember the 80s at all. Uh, as a Cowboys fan, we didn't care. Uh, I was We were six years old, five years old. And then Jimmy came along and, and righted the ship. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. We got, we got spoiled by it. I remember uh, my brothers being absolutely just pissed at me because I chose to watch a episode of family ties rather than like that NFC championship. And I was like, I was like, what the super bowl is next in a couple of weeks. What do we have to worry about? Like, this is just like basically the preview. So it, it absolutely was a, a birthright and, um, we, we were destined to go every year. So, I mean, it, it was, it was high times as a Cowboys fan in the nineties. So either one, I'm, I'm curious to both. What was the first Cowboys game sort of you remember and the first Cowboys game you went to live? Like, how old were you? I'll let David go first. David, you go. The first Cowboys game I remember, I I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, you just, you grew up and it was on every Sunday. Yeah. Um, I I have no memory of it. It, it. It was, it was just always on. And then, I mean, the the real vivid memories were really the Thanksgiving games because obviously they were always playing on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and all the family was over and we'd sit around and watch it. And I remember being really young watching them. Um, the first game I went to, I, we didn't go to a lot of Cowboys games as kids. I I honestly don't remember going to any Cowboys game, um, even though we lived down the street from them. Um, but it was sometime. And it's sad that I I don't specifically remember what game, but it was it was definitely a triplets game. 
it was it was high times and it was I mean it was just a blast to be there. And I I was an odd odd kid where I loved Irvin, I loved Aikman, I loved Emmett, but I was always an offensive line fan. <laughs> <laughs> for, okay. for whatever reason uh probably because my lack of skills is uh, an athlete <laughs> but i was a big like mark stepnoski fan and i remember like focusing on him like just throughout the whole game and it was it was just a blast i mean it was, it was so much fun wait was he the uh undersized center yeah he was like the the weirdly undersized center in like the massive line and i was like oh yeah i think i could do that and it, it, honestly like i ended up being like the deep snapper in high school and stuff like that. <laughs> and I wore Stepnoski's number. <laughs> I loved it. I lo- Wait, I, I was, you know what he's doing now, right? No, I have no idea. He is like, it makes me a little nervous. <laughs> huge, huge in like the legalization of weed. Like that's no. like his baby. He's been doing that for, for years. I think obviously he's making some headway. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to happen sooner or later, surely in Texas. Yeah, not, I assume eventually, but that that is the least surprising <laughs> thing of all. I the the I think what made me love him the most was whenever John Madden would get on and like focus on on his uh, backside sweat, <laughs> <laughs> and it was something to relate to. <laughs> so, uh, uh, what about you, John? Oh man, yeah. I, I guess I don't think I went to a game in person until probably in college. Uh, when um which i think was a cowboys giants game because i remember some of our classmates and my now brother-in-law who's a giants fan being obnoxious um and uh so yeah so so yeah in person was not the later but yeah i i definitely have vivid memories like you said david of thanksgiving and the super bowls of course those were the big ones that so i think mine is a lot like yours david where the cowboys were just on like I don't, I don't remember starting watching at all. But I remember just like I, I was a Cowboys fan because obviously they were winning. Um, the first game I actually went to was freshman year of college. Actually, I worked across the street at the uh, at the stadium, and I was what they called a um, a food runner, which is basically like a a yeah. um, waiter to the suite level. Um, and there's like a few good stories I like to tell. I'll tell them quickly. Um, one. I was riding up like the, um, what is it called? Like, it's not the regular elevator. It's like the freight elevator where they take up like lots of food or whatever. And um, the band, the country country band, Rascal Flats, was doing like the national anthem or something. So they were riding down and I just happened to be in it with them. And I didn't know any of their names. So I was like, hey, Rascal Flats. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mr. Like, Rascal. Hey. <laughs> the other was, at that time, Kelly Clarkson had just won American Idol. And that wasn't like an official thing yet. That was still like reality TV was new, all that kind mm-hmm. of jazz or whatever. So she was doing either the anthem or the halftime show. And Leanne Rimes was doing the opposite. Must have been like Leanne Rimes doing the halftime show. So this may have been like a Thanksgiving type game. And they had them sharing like this huge suite in one of the end zones. So one of the end zones at the old stadium was actually like this like really luxe lounge that people could just go up and like eat shrimp from a table and you know whatever and then the other end was just like a massive um like triple quadruple sized you know suite that they were gonna they were like hey we're gonna have you guys share there's plenty of room for everybody and as i understand it i wasn't there disclaimer uh (laughs) as i understand it like leanne rhymes threw a bitch fit and was not having it, sharing it. Because, like, Kelly Clarkson, who went on to sell way more records than Leanne Rimes, I'm sure of it, 
um, was a nobody at that point. And Kelly Clarkson was like, yeah, whatever, put me, you know, they just found another suite to like put her in. And the only thing I remember is that they had assigned me and like one other runner to that. So normally you, you like, you hit a level, there were three levels and like, you just kind of stay in that circuit. But they were like, hey, anytime they need anything, like you go and get it. So they'll call down to the main cafeteria or whatever on each floor and you go run it. And I just remember they had me run over um, hot water and lemon. Oh, God. So I drop it off or whatever. And the guy's like, yeah, here, I'll take it from here. And then she lip synced. I was like, what the? <laughs> I was like, what the heck, man? Um, it, it was probably for Leanne Rimes. <laughs> and then the last story I love to tell, because, you know, this is a 90s show, but we're just going to like, we're going to we're going to be real liberal with it here. Um, I used to have to get to the stadium eight hours before kickoff. And in the 90s, it was high time. They always had like a three o'clock kick. You know, they had the nighttime game, Monday night, whatever. Well, in the early aughts, they were terrible. So they always had a noon kickoff, which meant I had to be at the stadium at four o'clock in the morning. So I had to leave the dorms across the street at like, I don't know, 3.30 to park. Like the parking lot like was was farther from the dorms. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was farther than the dorms, I feel like, because you took a bus or whatever. And um, one time I, I think I set my alarm I definitely said it wrong. And Alan and golf guy lived across the street from us and it started going off and the door was locked. Cause I think Tim, my roommate, Tim was out of town. So like they crawled over the, the, they moved the plates that are above, you know, the, the squares or whatever got in. And when I came back, like there was a note on my door and like the cord had been cut to my alarm clock <laughs> hanging on the outside that said like, if this happens again, I will end you. <laughs> that is amazing. That is amazing. I remember you. I remember you working those the crazy job. I mean, when you did that, you did UPS. You did. You had such crazy hours for all yeah. those jobs. Well, you know, David. That's why I took a few years to graduate because I had oh. crazy jobs like that. Um, I forget. Yeah, I forgot you had that job. There was yeah. also a sweet deal in college since we were right next to the stadium. There was like something where you just show up like after halftime, and sometimes oh, yeah. they just like let you into a game. Yeah, and well, then the and is, then we also got like the student thing occasionally. It was like five bucks. Yeah, was, yeah. I I yeah. got into the uh, Emmett Smith breaking the uh, rushing uh, all time rushing thing with, I was with there. that discount. That was we we while. went we <laughs> went on the in the first half and we're like forget it. We're just gonna try to get in, try to get in as early as possible. And we walked around the stadium, and of course, half the people had no clue about the deal, and we're like trying to talk ourselves in. And finally, we got by with somebody, and they just didn't care and just let us in. So. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, so what we want to talk about, like talking about sports, is fine, kind of boring. What I want to talk about is like the juicy gossip that happened around the '90s Cowboys. <laughs> one of which was the White House, and not the White House at 600, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue here. The White House in like Valley Ranch, where. Actually, the three of us lived for a while in an apartment. Yeah, uh, yeah just up the street. We yeah. should. I feel like we should have made a pilgrimage to the White House. <laughs> <laughs> where Where was the White House? Do you? It know? was a few blocks away from Valley Ranch, like the 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 because that was the whole point. That right after practice, they could just go like they stay there and uh, get coked up and sleep with hookers. I don't know what I mean. Like, <laughs> what do you, I mean? What do you know about the? Do you know anything about the White House? If not, no big deal. But I don't know any like particular. I read Norm Hitchkiss, the Dallas Radio Hall of Famer, wrote a book a couple years ago. The what was it called, Brian? 
Oh, um, the greatest team ever, or something, something like that. Like something that. like that. Yeah. Well, something that's Professor like that. Barry. You got your first job, Professor. There you go. And I remember learning. I knew like some of the stuff, but he really opened it up and just told these crazy stories about the the '90s Cowboys. And it got to the point where like way past in the early aughts, whenever a cowboy would get arrested like kind of momentum would be coming on. Oh, the Cowboys are back. They're getting in trouble again. <laughs> <laughs> like this is absurd, but I, I didn't know much about it at the, at the time. I mean, I remember after the, the Super Bowl, after Barry took over and he won the Super Bowl, uh, when Irvin got arrested, that was, I always felt that was kind of the downhill of the Cowboys. Right. Um, but the the White House, it was really much later on when I heard about just the craziness of what was going on there. So was it, is Nate Newton was kind of spearheading this thing, right? Like Michael Irvin is obviously the sexy name, but Nate Newton, I think he got picked up for like heavy marijuana distribution as well too. Yeah. And that, that was way like a couple of years after he retired. Yeah. It was like several hundred pounds. <laughs> but yeah, I think Irvin, Nate Newton, uh, Eric William, Eric with a K. Oh, Williams. yeah. Um, he was big into it, and it, it was just these crazy, crazy stories of these guys. Just, I mean, and Valley Ranch too. It was just like the, <laughs> the the suburb of all suburbs. So, like growing up in Lubbock, I always assumed Valley Ranch was just this like the most beautiful place in the world. I mean, what a great name! How about marketing? Um, it was a fine place. Valley Ranch was was quite charming. Um, but it's also one of those things where, like, I don't know what is and isn't Irving. There's a lot of parts of Irving that are not called Irving that are definitely Irving, right? I grew up in Irving, and I have no clue. I mean, they're, they're like, they're like Las Colinas, who knows, Valley Ranch, but what is that? But it's, it's all Irving, but, like, it felt like Irving kind of got a bad name after a while, and, like, oh, we got we to gotta trick this up a little bit right. to, Spice uh, it up. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to get people to come out there. <laughs> I, can you imagine if like TMZ had been around during oh the God. 90s Cowboys? All they had was Ed Werder. <laughs> yeah, that's true. T-O. I mean, that was yeah. I guess that was back when they were still like buddies, you know, with, yeah. with reporters with or the, some yeah. reporters anyway. Yeah, you know, reporters would but, like go drinking yeah. with them and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. John, are you, you familiar? Just, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. You just you just always knew it was going to be a bad week when you saw Michael Irvin in a fursuit. or a fur jacket i mean he you just knew something bad was going on and you're like oh great we're gonna miss half the team this week because of suspensions and all sorts of nonsense talk about rehabbing an image though like he might be one of the most beloved people on television right now with in, in football it's amazing the the guy has either the greatest pr company in the world or or the guy he i mean he is charismatic beyond belief and he always was and yeah that the i don't know how he survived what he survived well you know something he survived john was uh stabbing a guy in the neck with scissors (laughs) (laughs) are you familiar with this story i i am not i've either forgotten this or i never heard this you you gotta educate me yeah yeah so um the guy's name was Everson McIver, I think. And as I Everett. understand it, Everett, Everett McIver. Everett. Thank you. Um, you know, they all they all went to a barbershop, to the shop, uh, as they call it. And um, Everett McIver was in the chair. And football is big on, like, seniority and, like, paying your dues and 
getting your, you know, fungus on your shower shoes or whatever. So um, Michael uh, Irvin comes in and sheds his fur coat and says, like, <laughs> basically, like, get out of the chair, Rook. And Everett McIver's like, no, like, you can wait your turn. I'm in the middle of getting a haircut. And Michael Irvin's time is worth a lot more than Everett McIver's time. And whatever happened, it ended with Michael Irvin putting, like, lancing Everett McIver in the neck <laughs> with, like... Some 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 sh- some shears is what I saw when I when I reread up on it, um, and you never heard about it, John, because um, if there's one thing that like Jerry Jones is good at, it's like cover ups. Like he may not be that great of an owner or a general manager, but like he's the undefeated back to back to back to back champ of covering <laughs> things up, even today, including his own stuff. <laughs> I don't even know he has stuff. That's right. He's he's got that that yacht, that super yacht. He just does all the stuff out there. International waters. International waters. That's right. <laughs> my my favorite part of that whole story, and the craziest part of that whole story, is Everett McIver. Everett McIver was the one who got cut. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> I, think, I think they're like we don't, need, twice. we don't need <laughs> drama, so we're getting out the guy with the flesh wound. <laughs> he probably made more on the exit than he would have like <laughs> right. as a squad a squad guy. Um, all right, let's move it forward. Let's move it to. David's wheelhouse. I'm excited to talk to David about this. John, too. We're all huge. I would say the Mavericks are probably the three of our favorite teams of, of all the Dallas teams. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I would say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's probably I, like, we definitely bonded the most over that. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That that's true. Um, I think uh, I gained the most credibility with David when I took him to um, Brad Davis's house uh, freshman year. <laughs> You basically took me to Mecca when you took me to Brad Davis's house. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so what I want to talk about the 90s, if you can talk about like the Bizarro Cowboys just on the field, it was the Dallas Mavericks. I think, and correct me if this is not true, they were the worst franchise by win percentage of like any franchise. Not just basketball, like any sports franchise. I think that's right. I mean, I, I remember like the... The really lean years, the 92, 93, probably 91, 92, 93 years, were just awful. I mean, they, they would go like, I mean, well, I, I mean, it was like two and 30. They'd go on like two and 30 stints. But I, w- I mean, the, the funny thing was I was so, like I was ingrained. I was brainwashed to just be a Mavericks fan. My dad was a huge Mavericks fan. So I never, honestly, I never noticed it. Mm-hmm. I never knew they were like the, I mean, I knew they were bad, but I always had hope every game. I we'd go all the time. We were lucky enough to uh, have season tickets and we'd go all the time. And I loved them. I absolutely loved them. And I just loved watching the team. And I was just a diehard fan and we'd go and there was, you'd always hold out. There'd be like 8,000 people in the stands <laughs> and we were screaming our heads off cause we just loved them. I mean, just, we'd love just absolute spares. The, the Moreland Wileys of the world, the Doug Smith. I remember my brother and I, when he got drafted, we're like, Oh my gosh, this guy is going to be like the savior or whatever. <laughs> and the guy averaged like nine points and we thought he was Jordan. <laughs> it was just, it was just God awful, but Doug uh, Smith, but they, they, yeah, they were awful. And you just, you just kind of got used to, I, I mean, it was the opposite of the, it, you're right. It was the bizarro Cowboys. It was the, the birthright birthright was they were just bad and they lost games. So because they were so bad, they ended up pretty high in the, 
uh, draft. John, do you remember who they drafted back-to-back-to-back draft? <laughs> uh, I don't remember the order, but I know, yeah, the three J's. So Jason Kidd, Jimmy Jackson, and uh, Jamal Mashburn. Yeah. And I think, David, you had one of their posters in your room, didn't you? Like, yeah. Was, yeah, we had. I can't remember who it was. Like a life-size poster. It was like a Florida. Oh, I, I still have the poster. The Jamal Mashburn, six <laughs> eight Jamal Mashburn. And I think like my like childhood is written on that this side of that poster. Uh, and I, I I sported my uh, Jason Kidd, unfortunate co-rookie of the year, biggest Rob job in the world, co-rookie with Grant Hill. Um, <laughs> oh, Grant Hill, but uh, right. I did love Grant Hill. He was uh, I was a big fan of Grant Hill actually, but. Um, but yeah, the the three J's were uh, the great hope and uh, the great travesty of the uh, early '90s Mavs. Um, since we're there on the Triple J's, um, who broke up the Triple J's, and what's the story behind that? John, you wanna you wanna take the lead on this one? Uh, well, no, I I yeah, allegedly it's Tony Braxton. Although there's, I think there's differing opinions on the, how true so you, this is. What 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 have you what have you got there? What's your so, take? Yeah, I've I've never got a clear story, right? And I I've listened to it. I've listened to ton, try to like randomly research stuff back in the day. Yeah, of figuring out what happened. And I think they all deny that it was Tony Braxton. So Tony Bra- John or Brian, you probably know the most about Tony Braxton, just <laughs> knowing you well, and yeah. knowing your uh, your uh, flavor for the my uh, Nubian princess, the, the pop music, but uh, <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, what tell tell us about the the Tony Braxton thing? Yeah, so like you, I went back and, and read a little bit too. I mean, just it's like such an infamous thing from our youth. If you're a Mavs fan, it's like they weren't any good at basketball, but at least they had some drama off the court. And you guys were absolutely <laughs> right in that one. I definitely know the most about Tony Braxton, so that's why I know a little bit more about this. I think because what the players have all said is pretty much on brand, which is like there was some communication issues. There was some, you know, but nobody ever like announced that it was Tony Braxton, but Tony Braxton was being interviewed maybe on Arsenio hall, actually definitely somewhere. And she asked, and rather than like quelling it and saying nothing, she basically said, Oh, you know, like I never kiss and tell just like sort of leaving it all out. And like, and she, she was just, you know, she was just making selling records off of a little bit of controversy of like breaking up an, an NBA team. Um, but whatever happened, it, it didn't, it didn't last. And that was kind of really sad that they, I think they traded Jason Kidd first actually to the, uh, to the Suns, right? That's right. I can't yeah. remember if it was Kidd or I, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think Nelly came, well, Kid might have left when the what, what's it the With them Don Donnie and Don. Well, the no the spare from Chicago, the assistant coach from Phil Jackson, um, Phil uh, Clement Jim Clement Jim Clement yeah yeah. I, I think he was the one that first traded Kid, and I can't remember if Mashburn was already traded or hurt or something like that, and but yeah they they just started to deplete the roster and then once Nelly came in he was just. I mean, it was every three months where he just completely trade the entire roster, <laughs> uh, which was always fun because, you know, it was like, oh, record breaking trade. Oh, Mavericks again. <laughs> the, the like 17 players involved in this trade. But uh, yeah, it was I mean, it was so much fun with 
the three J's. I mean, they had that cheesy song that even like way after the fact in the high school, me and my buddies would sing the uh, Dick Mata, we got him. Jim, <laughs> I mean, it was just, I mean, in high school, we used to sing it all the time. It was just so, so cheesy, but it was, it was, it was the greatest. Um, um, but those guys would, I mean, you still see now with Luca just going crazy, scoring crazy points. You see all the records and 50 point games. And I remember like uh, Mashburn and Jimmy Jackson, they, it was in the mix, the middle of like the hatred of each other where they would go after each other. And I think there was like three games in a row where like Mashburn had 50 points. Then then the next game, Jimmy Jackson had 50 points. And then Mashburn had 50 points right after that. And it was just, it was awesome because they, you could tell they hated each other, but it was to the benefit of the team. And it was so heartbreaking when they traded. I'm like, wow, these guys, who cares if they don't like each other? We might as well be halfway decent. And they started to show promise and it just all came crumbling down. The spike championship is okay. I would have been all right with that. Um, Jin, John, when did you onboard well, as a Mavs fan? Or yeah, go ahead. What were you gonna say? No, I was a little, yeah, I was a little later to the game. I guess I, mm-hmm. I sort of got into the NBA kind of I guess middle school, early high school. So yeah, I right sort of when Dirk and Nash showed up on the scene is really where I I sort of got engaged. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I didn't have all the fun David had in Reunion Arena. I don't know, David. If uh, I'm re- I feel like you told me stories about how that. Being in reunion in the '90s when they were just terrible, uh, with so few people, like you could just hear you could hear players and coaches talking sometimes. Oh, is that, is that yeah, right? uh, absolutely. I mean, you you would hear just I mean just hilariousness. I mean, the 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 Oliver Miller was just constantly yeah. I remember when he played for the Mavs for like a year. You could always hear him. The Big O was like. 300 pounds but he pretended like he was 5'8 but like throwing behind the back and behind between the legs but I loved it I absolutely loved him and you could hear him just vividly throughout the whole stadium and it was just I mean as like a 10 year old you hear just horrible things and it was the greatest thing (laughs) in the world (laughs) but uh and then I mean yeah I mean it was just it was just silly how few people were there but we we still loved it um I came on, and the marquee player was Samaki Walker. (laughs) You're going to like what you see out of Samaki Walker. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I remember he was in L.A. That is is a quote from Samaki Walker on draft night. Oh, that's only only rivaled by uh, uh, Monte Ellis um, comparing himself to Dwayne Wade and then ends it famously by saying, you know, Monte Ellis have it all. (laughs) So he, like, starts and he's like, you know, the only thing separating Dwayne Wade is, like, two championships – a scoring title and like something else, but other than that, we're the same player. <laughs> it's like, what? yeah, <laughs> kind so, of uh, yeah, the Mavs decided to draft some Maki Walker instead of Kobe Bryant. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I mean, obviously, nobody knew who Kobe was then, but um, the, the, the Mavericks were obviously looking for the big guy to go with the 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 three J's, but um, they tried uh, what Cherokee Parks, Lauren Meyer. Um, Samaki Walker just fell into the uh, the line of big guys that were absolute worthless uh, players for a while. God bless the 1990s Mavs. What an awful team! Just an awful. I mean, they it, it ended. I think that's still. Let me re, let me rephrase. It's not still. It is the second happiest I think I've been 
at the end of a game was Calvin Booth's tip back oh. against Utah. Was that 2001? 2000? 2001, I think. Yeah. I, I, I'm horrible with years, but yeah, I think. It was yeah, the first that, time they'd that, been that to the playoffs. Still, I mean, even even championship, even yeah. 06 uh, Western Conference Finals, Dirk getting fouled. Uh, the, the the Calvin Booth buzzer shot was the happiest I was as a Mavericks fan. It was pure validation, pure just <laughs> joy after years of suffering. I mean, Dirk had come along, um, Nash, Finley. I mean, I was a huge Michael Finley fan. And you're just like, you're just ecstatic. And I, I remember to the point where my dad and I, what were we were what? 16 somewhere something around like that somewhere around there we drove to love field and <laughs> to congratulate the mavericks That's awesome. <laughs> we we're like we got out we drove out there and we stood that stood outside for like an hour and a half and finally the the team plane lands and we get out there and uh, and we we're just like just ecstatic we're cheering on the team and like it, it was just so it was so much fun as a mavericks fan um John, do you were you were you on board with the Mavs then, or did you like the Suns, or what? What was your situation at that time? No, I, when I got into the NBA, it was through the Mavericks, and then par- probably partially because of David, just hanging around, hanging with you in the yeah. summers, growing up. Um, but yeah, I think once I remember in, in I think it was early high school. Um, yeah, it was when Dirk was starting to get big in like the early like playoff entry, and I remember the game where. I don't remember which series this was. If it was against Utah or something, but like the game where Dirk lost a tooth, oh like, yeah, red teeth, and then he like came back and kept playing, and I was like, that's that's pretty awesome. Like, that's that was, yeah, yeah, it was definitely the Utah series, and yeah, the, the, I mean that Utah team was still my most hated team of all time. No, oh, really, sure. I, I mean I hated Carl Malone, but there was <laughs> no two basketball players I hated more was John Stockton and Jeff Hornacek. <laughs> I h- hated those guys with a passion, uh, I and them. and I loved it. And we can uh, we can segue nicely into uh, Sean Bradley talk. <laughs> and you also I'll hate tell Sean you, Bradley. This is the reason why Sean Bradley is the most one of the most underrated basketball players in the NBA. Oh, and it's uh, and I know he's just laughed at, and he's been dunked on, and everybody's seen the McGrady dunk, and. He's the he's Mr. Poster in in the wrong way, but the reason why I always liked Bradley and I got crap for it because I remember one time when like the paint when Cuban first bought the team and started um, allowing the people into painting themselves. Me and my friends would go and paint ourselves when we get in. I'd always paint a Sean Bradley jersey on. <laughs> And people, I remember one time this one huge guy looked at me and I thought he was going to beat me up. He looked at me and goes, man, you got some big balls to put that on your body. (laughs) 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 And I was just a fan. And the reason was, is the Mavericks, again, the Samaki Walker talk was they always had just horrible big guys Mm -hmm. and they'd always get beaten on. And especially when Dirk came along, he was this soft Euro that the way you guarded him was to to tough him up, mm-hmm. um, and Bradley, for how ridiculous he looked, for how skinny he was, he wouldn't put up with it, and he would throw his bony little elbows to everybody, <laughs> and I mean, you felt bad for the guy because, I mean, I remember first Mark Bryant, 
I think oh, he was yeah. on the Sixers or somebody would like basically picked him up and body slammed Bradley. Mm-hmm. And then like a year later, Nelly traded for him. So he was on the Mavericks <laughs> with Ooh. Bradley. Ooh. And then like Walt Williams did the same thing. He punched Bradley in the mouth. And then like a year later, Nelly traded for him. But Bradley was always the guy that would mix it up. Uh, he would, he would throw his elbows. He, I mean, especially that Utah series, he was, he, he would, I mean, he was always getting into it with Byron Russell, with Carl Malone, and either one of those guys could destroy him. And he just, he wouldn't put up with it. He'd always go up for the block. And I mean, that's why he got posterized so many times, but I I loved him. And he, like, I don't know. He was just, he was this hilarious character. And I, I, I mean, he did have range shot wise. I'm not going to defend his actual talents, but. But he was he was an absolute character, and I loved him. So, John, as the person who whose game resembles, and you also look the most like Sean Bradley on this chat. <laughs> <laughs> what are your Sean Bradley yeah. hot takes? Why would you say that? <laughs> you know, I'll 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 put a screen cap for everybody. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, no, I loved Bradley. He was he was great. Um, yes, the awkward giant white guy that was gangly uh <laughs> by the way in in 96 97 he averaged four blocks a game that's kind of insane. yeah that's i think he's still, I, I didn't know that i just saw I, that i think he still holds like a top five record in blocks i mean he was a stud like he just people just expect oh this guy is seven six and he had stupidly got the number 76 just to <laughs> i mean, it was just silly it was just uh it was just embarrassing but I mean, they expected him to be Shaq, but he weighed more, less than Spud Webb, who infa- <laughs> infamously, I think, dunked on him. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's just the expectations for him were way too high. And I think as a Mavericks fan in that time, you just automatically had low expectations. So he, 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 he rose to the challenge. I have no problem with Sean Bradley. He was, uh, he was good. You know what? I think... He didn't actually really like he, – he understood basketball to be a job, and he treated it as such, which was like, I'm getting paid lots of money to do this thing. I don't really care about it, but he had a good work ethic, so he, he tried. He tried his hardest, and he did the job that he was paid to do. So that's kind of like – as far as like a room guy or a culture builder, I think that's good. You know, even if talent-wise he wasn't the most talented. I mean, he was good enough to be a monster. <laughs> exactly i think he was just naturally hated so that's why he got that job i mean there's the like there's there's like the the classic stories were when nelly was the coach or he'd want to have nelly would want to have team meetings at like dallas strip clubs and <laughs> sean and sean bradley wouldn't show up because because he was sean bradley. he's mormon yeah yeah and i mean it, it, the, he just did the opposite of like endear himself to the typical NBA player. And I think that's why they all just hated him. And every, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's you, not see, a, you see this giant see gangly guy and they all just wanted to dunk on him. And I mean, really the most famous dunks in NBA history usually involve Sean Bradley. <laughs> so it's just, I mean, it's just tough for that guy. Um, you know, who's like probably friends with, with Stepnowski is, is Don Nelson. You know what he does yeah. these days, right? Is he is he monetizing his lifestyle now? I don't know, John. Do you know what he's doing? I I know what he's doing, but I want to hear if you know. Uh, 
All I well, what was that like a year or two ago? He showed up on. Um, well, is it Dirk's final thing, right? Did he show up at that? I don't. He showed up and he had, he had his long hair. Oh yeah. He had like a goatee. I think it was his Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah, he's just hanging bone. out in Hawaii, like smoking weed. Yeah. Constantly. He's like, like him and like weed. Willie Nelson just like play poker and smoke weed out in Hawaii. It's, it's like him, Willie Nelson, Jimmy Buffett, and Owen Wilson. Like, <laughs> like some random. Well, we're talking about a motley crew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fun. But, <laughs> uh, All right, I want. I know we're talking about stuff that's on the court. I want to. I want to pull it off the court again here, boys. Um, David, I would love to hear about Hot Dog Gate. Hot Dog Gate. Yeah, the one time you got a hot dog snatched oh, out oh, of your hand. Oh, oh, that's that's way past the nineties. Uh, <laughs> when was this? That, I mean, it was it was regular Mavs playoffs because I think it was a playoff game. Um, so this is already probably, in the aughts. What's that? This is already in the aughts. Yeah. Whoa. So yeah, because I was I think I was in college, and maybe I get I don't know maybe late high school, but yeah. So Don Nobler. The infamous Dallas Mavericks super fan addressed. Um, well, you know who he is. What do we know about yeah. Don Nobler now, John? <laughs> I don't know so, what he's doing now. I know well, he got into trouble recently. He's no longer allowed at basketball games because he yes. said something about Patrick Beverly's mom. That Patrick, Be- <laughs> I couldn't remember if it was Russell Westbrook or Patrick, because he got in with Russell yeah, Westbrook, too. Of course. Uh, he's some super rich Dallas guy. He owns some real estate company, but he's kind of famous at the Mavericks games for, he dresses in like this crazy flamboyant outfit, shiny stuff. And he always has the little clappers that he's (laughs) clapping and he wears these ridiculous sunglasses during the games. I think it helps to know that he's like 70. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's got the and white the, hair, I, the ponytail. Long they, white hair, beard, yeah. He's yeah. going to have, yeah. like, acid-washed jeans on, probably. Yeah, and his wife is, like, younger than my kids, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> but he, he always shows up, and he's always at the games, and we were lucky. We were having – I was with my dad, and we were at a – before one of the – I think it was a playoff game – and we were down below in like one of the restaurants and we were going to eat something before the game. And my brother and I were like, it's just like a, a buffet style food and they have nachos and hot dogs, just typical stadium food. And like, it's, it's this weird little thing where like the media is in there too. Like Tim Kalashaw is walking by. So we're a little like weirdly <laughs> starstruck, like kind of second rate spare <laughs> uh, celebrities. And so we, I fix a hot dog and I go and we set it on a table and I'm like walking back to I think, get a drink or something. And uh, I come back and Don stinking Nobler is sitting at my table, just mowing down on my hot dog. <laughs> and I'm like, look at him. And my brother is like absolutely dying laughing. And, um, uh, I've just kind of start like I I don't know what to do like you you don't I mean the guy is I mean he's an older older guy obviously so you don't want to confront him and say what the hell man oh man <laughs> and, and I think the guy is just so rich and so used to getting everything he wants he just assumes somebody made him a damn hot dog <laughs> and, and it's that very is, Larry David I, I, I just uh, just what he wanted so I mean I just kind of went got back in line and and did my thing <laughs> so got him was, another one. Uh, yeah, got Don Nobler, another hot dog. Yeah, so that guy, 
But then he got in uh, trouble for uh, getting with uh, Patrick Beverly, and he yeah. said some choice words to him. So goes around, comes around. Uh, John, who is like somebody that you were starstruck by that sort of surprised you? Because I think I had like mine is Bob Ortigal. Like I was working, <laughs> I was working at Wells Fargo, and like if you don't know who Bob Ortigal is, like. You're you're in the right if you're listening to this right now. You should not know who Bob Ortigal is. Bob Ortigal keys the game. Score more points than the other team. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he had a, he had an account at uh, uh, Wells Fargo, and he just came in, and I was like, Bob, well, yes, sir. Like, here's your cash check, and he was actually cashing a check from the Mavs, like a game. You know, I think they get game checks as well for doing the, you know, whatever he was depositing it. Um, um, but that was like. Looking back, low key, that was a very bad person to be starstruck by. <laughs> well, I remember I, I ran into Don Nelson. It was after college when I was working downtown Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's like South Side. There's like this warehouse thing, the office space and other stuff. Anyway, like a little convenience store. And um, I was like on a lunch break and uh, went over to this little convenience store and Don Nelson was there and it was right after the Warriors. He was coaching the Warriors and it was right after oh. the horrific playoff series, like gut wrenching. Uh, the worst. Where the Warriors beat the Mavs. And um, so I did, I did say hi to him. I said, I said, Hey Nelly. I said, nice, nice job. Nice job last season. Cause it was, it was in the off season. I said, hopefully we'll see you next year. We'll be back. Um, but anyway, but yeah, that was my running with Nelly. But I, there was a stretch there where like, there's a couple of years where I kept running into NBA people like I Amari Stoudemire at the car wash in Phoenix after his like <laughs> MVP season or something. Um, I told him he had a good season, which I'm like, thanks, random white guy. Thanks. Thanks, Sean Bradley. Um, and then uh, Mike Bibby in the Las Vegas airport. In, uh, a nice. I just said, what's up, Mike? I'm never good at the celebrity interactions. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my my wife actually we we were in DFW airport. This is before we were married, and Paula Abdul walks by. <laughs> Speaking, of, I live the nineties. My wife Katie's like, "Was that Paula Abdul?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know, maybe." And I I was distracted doing something. I don't know, my phone or whatever. And she sort of chases down Paula Abdul and follows her into like a little store, you know, at the airport, and um, and she says. Oh, Oh, Paul Abdul, I'm your biggest fan. I had your cassette. Um, my first cassette was your your whichever your iPod, you know, like that. Yeah. Whatever that one was. Whatever that song was. Um, which is hilarious because not, you know, like she's not the biggest fan, but you know, that's what <laughs> Paul Abdul does. Yeah, like, oh, oh, thanks, thanks. And then she's Paul Abdul's buying like a candy bar, and my wife is like, Oh, oh, here, let me help you out. And, and Katie's like rummaging through coins, trying to like <laughs> trying to buy Paul Abdul thing. something. <laughs> This is like peak Paula Abdul, American Idol, multi-millionaire. Like, so you were helping her buy a candy bar. Okay, Subsidizing cool. candy bar for Paula Abdul. I mean, that is a big fan. She, she prob- Paula Abdul definitely thinks she met like her biggest fan. Yes, I think so. Very tiny woman, though. Paula oh, Abdul. yeah. They're all, they're all tiny. Um, man, this is great. This is going very well, gentlemen. I'm, I'm having a good time talking to you guys about this. Um, let's do a grab bag up. Do you want to talk about the Texas Rangers or the Dallas Stars? 
One is going to be much quicker than the other, I can guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, they bo- unfortunately, they both hit their heydays in the 90s. <laughs> unfortunately for the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, um, either one. Um, so the only I thing mean, I have on the Dallas Stars was they won the Cup, actually, in 1999. which was like a big deal. And we were all hockey fans. I, had, I, hadn't, I haven't known as much about hockey since 1999 as I did like this year when they went back to the Stanley Cup in the bubble. (laughs) I mean, I I am a true Dallas, Dallas Stars fan. Oh, yeah. I am the fair weatherest fan of all time. Yeah. Uh, When they moved to Dallas, 94, 95, somewhere around there, Mm -hmm. um, I was, I I was huge. I got, I, I had no idea anything about hockey. I don't think I'd ever watched a hockey game before. I didn't understand it at all, but like Mike Madonna was in mighty ducks. So that's, that's awesome. Like yeah. We, we, we got to figure it out. And Neil Broughton, I think was in it too. And the stars, I mean, they were so good right away mm-hmm. that you fell in love with them. Um, and then by the time, like the 97, 98 was like Pantera or whoever was getting into the stars. Yeah. Like they kind of got to be like real, like hardcore and cool. Um, and it was awesome. And a funny story was my sister actually babysat randomly for Darian Hatcher. <laughs> what? Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how she got the job. She was, I mean, it was kind of mid in their heyday. Yeah. And I, I remember she like, Went to bait. She, I don't even think when she first got the job, she knew who he was. And she came home and um, she's like, we're like asking her. She's like, she told us who it was. And we're asking about, oh my gosh, we're like, how was it? How was it? How was it? She's like, oh, it was, it was good. She's like, it was really weird. Like his phone kept ringing off the hook. And this one time I picked it up and this guy goes, hey, it's Madonna. Is Hatch there? And she's like, who is this guy? He's like so full of himself, just assuming I know who he is. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like 12 years old. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Mm, um, that's awesome. But, but the st- I mean, yeah, the stars, like, I have a very, like, very close um, special history with the stars, the, their first cup. A uh, friend of mine passed away recently, and um we had we were talking with some other friends of ours that we remember like one of the highlights of our growing up was uh watching the 99 cup at his house and um partying with them and uh just i'm as a 14 15 year old does party yeah um and i mean and and that that holds a, a very special place for me and our friends but um uh, yeah, the the stars were it was, it was 90s were were the great time. I mean, when they first started, uh, I loved the just the crazy goalie masks. Andy Moog was a stud. Uh, Darcy Walkalock, what we call Block a Puck, was was you always loved the backup goalie. And then Ed Belfour came along and was just absolutely crazy. So no, that and, is not the half of it. That guy really is crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I think at one point he almost got deported because. <laughs> He, uh, I mean, deported to Canada because he got arrested for a DWI and tried to bribe a police officer or something like that. <laughs> so, and now he like, has just, like a whiskey crazy. company. He's got absolute craziness. So. He has like a whiskey company now, I think. Seems like yeah, a bad I, idea. I think he, him and Nelly are have, like, not together, but I think he has a weed company too. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, so. noticing a, I'm noticing a trend here for former athletes. <laughs> Wait, well, that's why we weren't. <laughs> yeah. We should have been pro athletes, guys. Um Pairing two of those things you talked about, Pantera and um, 
Dallas Stars hockey being like sort of inextricably linked in my head. I think that's the right word. Um, there was a rumor that they, you know, every the 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 routine with the cup when you win it is each player gets to spend a day with it. And I don't know which player it was, but whoever it was took it over to like a house party at Pantera's like house. Like as if Pantera is a person. Like I don't know if some yeah, member yeah. of Pantera. <laughs> yeah, I know. I like I'm such a like dork when it comes to music. I don't I don't I, I like I've heard of Dimebag Daryl. And that's about it. Rest in <laughs> like, peace. Yeah, like, he, he just I remember like all like the token guys at your high school were so sad <laughs> when he died. Um, <laughs> like, and they they threw allegedly the cup off of the balcony and into the pool, but whoever did either overshot or undershot and ended up like denting the like the Stanley Cup. That was like the big sort of stain on the Dallas uh, Stars winning winning the cup. Yeah, I think like what what I remember was Craig Ludwig was involved, <laughs> and I, I think like who I think he does the post game stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I think he was like the big buddy of Pantera and I, I'm pretty sure he was involved. I think Darian Hatcher was involved, you know? Grant Marshall, all those guys. <laughs> um, Grant Marshall was my absolute favorite cause I, I don't think he was any good at hockey. He just fought all the time. And like, that was his MO. He'd always fight like the, 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 the goon on the other team. So it was just a blast, but yeah, no, I mean the, the stories that came out of there were just phenomenal. John, do you have any hot sports opinions on the uh, the Dallas Stars? Uh, I just remember I had throw just throw back a little bit to our our video game chat last time I was on. Um, mm-hmm. I had NHL '99. Oh, that's in the game. And I remember I remember playing as the Stars like all the time. It was either Stars or like the Penguins or maybe yeah. Flyers occasionally. But yeah, no, the Madonna Brett Hull combo. Pretty lethal was was pretty legit and like Zuboff, I was loving Zuboff. Like I always like Jamie Langenbrenner for some reason. Oh, that he was my absolute favorite. Really? But like oh, he was my favorite player of all time. And Why absolutely did we like heart, that guy? heartbroken after the '99 Cup. I think they traded him, or maybe it might have been before that, to the Devils for Joe Newendike. Oh, interesting. And, and it absolutely broke my heart because he was kind of like the young, yeah, um, kind of next superstar guy. And I don't think he ever panned out to what I thought he was to be. But like the first cup, he was like the real young kind of go getter guy, and it was, it was awesome. And it, it was just so heartbreaking when they traded him. Um, yeah, but I mean, we did all right. Joe Newendike ended up winning the you know the Conn Smythe Award. Yeah. Oh yeah. So obviously <laughs> it was before '99, but it was a good trade. Uh, um, I think what I'd like to get into is just like the one that even though the Mavericks were definitely my favorite team, the one I spent the most time with uh, being from Arlington were the Texas Rangers. And for the same reason that you liked the like reunion rowdies and there were um, 8,000 of you strong in there in a 16,000, you know, seat, whatever, like the Texas Rangers had a beautiful stadium that was always empty. Um, especially in the, in the, in the nineties and two thousands, I mean, regular season stuff. Cause there's just like, even when they're good, there's so many games. Um, and what me and my buddies would do, it's like 2000, 2001, they were super lax on like what they allowed to go on in, in these, especially because nobody was going to the game. They were just happy people were there. So we'd go and my mom bought me like a, um, like a camcorder. So I would just like take a camcorder in with me, like to the stadium. We'd, we just film dumb stuff like around 
like walking around or watching the game or whatever. And the best was my good friend, um, whose house you may or may not have been to with me. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we spotted this this young woman uh, sitting by herself a, a couple sections over. Um, and we like basically decided like, hey, somebody's got to talk to her. So he's like, all right, I'll jump on it. So he walks across. And like we've got like the zoom function on the camcorder, so we're watching it play out like on a camcorder. Um, and he sits down next to her, and making good headway. She's laughing; it's going well. And like three minutes later, a guy comes back and like sits down on the other side. <laughs> it's like, oh no, eject, eject. How do you get out of this? How do you get out of this? And he just kind of stretched, <laughs> stood up, and walked away. <laughs> That's amazing. No, um, yeah, I mean we. We went to a decent amount of Ranger games, and I I love the Rangers growing up, and I, I still love them now. And one of the big things was in the early '90s when they were awful, and they're still playing at Arlington Stadium. They used to have these fan uh, get together things that kind of it was off season, like right spring training maybe, and we'd go as like our school. We'd have like a field trip out there. And our school would go out and we'd have like signing um, sessions with the players and we'd get to play catch. I remember playing catch with like Jeff Russell and just total spares. But <laughs> I mean, it, it really just like endeared you to the team. And um, it, it was a, it was a great time. But yeah, no, the the ball, the once they built the ballpark, it, I mean, the mid to late nineties Rangers were great. I mean, they, the Johnny Oates teams were, were a lot of fun to watch. And, um, I have a lot of great memories going out there and rooting on, uh, all, uh, the one Juan, Juan Gonzalez and the steroid era Rangers. <laughs> so in like 2002, 2003 ish, at some point between high school and college, I think, um, I worked at a taco bueno out in Carrollton, Texas, and I was running drive through. And this guy comes through, and I see him, and I'm like, hey, Coach Oates, how you doing? Like, Johnny Oates oh. is, like, in the thing. Um, and he's like, he just waves at me. He doesn't say a word and, like, pulls out, like, a baseball card and just, like, gives it to me. And basically it says on the card, like, I'm not Johnny Oates. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a guy who looked a lot like Johnny Oates, very clearly, like, realized it, but had it, and it had, like, his real name on it. It was like, hey, I'm, like, I'm not Johnny Oates, basically. <laughs> That's a, I mean, what a, I mean, I mean, there's no way Johnny Oates gets recognized that much. <laughs> I mean, especially in Texas where like people yeah. don't care that much about baseball. <laughs> like it's, I mean, uh, frankly, I don't know if I'd recognize Johnny Oates without a ball cap on and a baseball uniform. <laughs> saying without sign saying I'm Johnny Oates. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's amazing. That is. Amazing. I, w- I wonder how many cards that guy had in his pocket. <laughs> yeah. And not not he's just, enough. He just carry around like fifty of those at all times. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. The thing is, he wasn't being inconspicuous either because he had a he had a convertible, so he wasn't trying to like hide it. Yeah. Either. And he was wearing a range. No, I don't know if he was wearing a range. <laughs> he's in full uniform. He was actually. That's why I recognize him. He was in full uniform. It <laughs> is great. That um, uh, winding this thing down, boys. Um, I mean, we we had plans to kind of talk about the steroid stuff, but there's not much there other than like. Jose Canseco, who is forever like the biggest doink in the history of Texas Rangers baseball, no. literally, he had a fight last weekend or two weeks ago, and like 
for for like barstool rough and rowdy and he got knocked out in like 15 seconds oh no by who some intern like just a kid oh no <laughs> oh no yeah i was hoping the... you were gonna say like mark mcguire or something <laughs> oh, uh, by ozzy um yeah <laughs> um but kind of just have some like lasting thoughts i mean i like to talk about friendships on this thing especially when we have some people on um you guys go way back so you were like i came into the fold freshman year of college because i lived in i don't know if i was directly above you or like i was on floor two you guys were on floor one you were roommates but Mm -hmm. you ended up at the university of dallas together because well for other reasons but like you were friends you ended up in the same dorm because you were friends when you were much younger before you moved to california right john yeah 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 we were friends from like i don't know david like kindergarten first grade second grade yeah some yeah probably the latest yeah kindergarten pre-k through whenever you left for california second grade or so Uh, second third third grade if i'm being Uh, honest but yeah oddly enough both our moms worked at ud both all our parents went to ud um different my parents are a little older but um but yeah, Ma- John's mom worked in the Rome office, right? Yep. Yeah. yep, that's right. And then my mom taught there and still teaches there. But yeah, we grew up together. We went to a uh, little Catholic school in Irving and um, kind of, but oddly enough, state like John moved to California and like little second grade David was absolutely crushed when he moved. <laughs> and so I think my like parents realized it. And somehow we stayed connected like throughout that whole time. Like mm-hmm. we were both our yeah. parents, both our parents or I think especially our moms were very early adopters of email and internet and stuff like that. So I think we emailed early on and stayed connected. Oh, nice. And then my, my dad would, uh, had work in California every year, once a year or so. So I'd go out there and hang out with John and, he would come back to Dallas to visit family and he'd stay with us for a while. And we just kind of kept up and we both kind of ended up at UD and somehow re- reconnecting. It was like, Hey, you want to live together? It's like, yeah. And we're both, I think pretty apathetic about <laughs> things like that. So we're like, yeah, we, we, the, the devil, you know, is better. So, which That's I think might've been a better, uh, a, a, better uh thing for me than it ended up being for him but uh. <laughs> it worked out it worked out well exactly yeah. No, it, yeah and i think every time we'd hang out yes sports was a common common thing to bond over for sure well i, I remember going to like yeah like summer we'd be visiting go to rangers games yeah and um talk about the mavs and i think i went with you to like when the all-star game was in arlington yeah, yeah. There was yeah, some yeah. like fan day thing we went to. I remember. Yep, too, so. exactly, exactly. Yeah. And like even like, I mean, we lived together just our freshman year in college. But then after college, Brian, when we all lived together, I mean, the the running joke was I was two years out of college, still sleeping in a bunk bed, and John was on top. <laughs> 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 I mean, it was just embarrassing. But luckily, we were dating girls that were. Uh, okay with that <laughs> um, so uh but yeah no we, yeah we've known each other forever yeah um if i'm being honest uh it would have been nice if you could have stayed in touch with like prince fielder <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um what did, did he go to school with both you guys or was he like on a on a 
a baseball team with you or something? Uh, no. So a buddy of mine played, um, sorry, Monica's interrupting here. I can, I can edit that out. <laughs> uh, but Evan, the guy we both grew up with played like in some select Irving baseball league. And I, he was, he was pretty good. Evan was pretty good at baseball. But then like, I remember him coming in and saying like, this guy is unbelievable. He literally hits a home run every single time. And we're like, what's his name? And he's like, well, listen, he calls himself Prince. <laughs> like, like the singer? Like, what, like, what do you mean? And sure enough, Cecil Fielder lived in Hackberry Creek in Irving. And his son was playing in Irving Baseball Leagues. And Prince Fielder, yeah, was just absolutely dominating in Little League Irving. So... Hackberry uh, Creek, another not Irving Irving. Yeah, place. exactly. Exactly. Where also <laughs> after Valley Ranch, where a lot of the Cowboys lived. Really? Now yeah, they all live in like Capel. I, I think they're all pushing up to like Prosper and Frisco now because I mean, Star. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, if you saw the uh, photo of Jerry Jones in the gas station with the uh, bottle of wine and Prosper, I think he was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah, like Greg Ellis lived there and a couple other guys lived there, but, um, but yeah, no, Prince Fielder was, I mean, kind of our age bracket, just kind of the, the legend in Little League Baseball around our parts. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, boys, thank you so much for hopping on, man. This is great. Like, to get to indulge in, like, something I would have never been able to talk about with Alan. So just to have, like, I don't care if anybody listens to this. I just wanted to talk to you guys about this stuff. <laughs> I know. They're, like you, you mentioned it, and I was like, I don't want to do a podcast, but I couldn't pass up this opportunity. And, I, and I, I'm sad I didn't bring up some certain things like the Rodman days of the Mavericks, and, uh, <laughs> which, by the way, were absolutely amazing. I mean, Part two. Ten, ten, I think 10 games of absolute hilarity and fear. <laughs> and we definitely did not talk about Don Nelson enough of uh, – the guy was the absolute king of Dallas basketball for a while, but, but no, thanks for having me on. It was good to see you guys and uh, talk to you guys about the the best subject in the world. <laughs> John, parting thoughts. Uh, no, appreciate appreciate getting the invite back. It was great. Yeah, good to catch up on. Uh, yeah, the thing we probably normally talk about the most anyway. So it's nice. <laughs> Just a text thread, <laughs> exactly. a live form of our text thread. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. And uh, yeah, Alan, Alan. Um, yeah, I don't think Alan would have had the patience for all this. The Dallas sports sucks. This is good. Good timing. Well, nothing happened with like '90s Houston sports. So. <laughs> nothing important. That's right. Yeah, Let's no, tell Alan that. That's right. Nothing. Nobody or anybody really cares about. So. Def- definitely not with basketball. That's right. Yeah. All right, boys. Good night. All right. All right. See you guys. Thanks for listening to I Live the 90s. You can find past episodes along with the companion blog with photos on the website, ilivethe90s.com, 90s spelled out. You're also invited to join the private Facebook group. Lastly, you can listen to Alan Bryan on Apple or Spotify. If you subscribe or leave a comment, it helps more people discover the podcast. We really appreciate your support.